listening to The Improvement Show. I hope Jacob knows what he's getting himself into. This is Make or Break Time. Live from New York. I mean, this is a big deal. This is going to get millions of views. JCS episode 45. I'm here with my co-host, Mike the Stallion. Yo, yo. So, Mike, do you approve of that nickname? Because I feel like everyone that comes on the show has to have a nickname. For instance, like, I'm the soundboard god, the Jewish jawline, and you're now, I feel like Mike the I thought of that, uh, you're going to hate me for that. I thought of that when I was showering a couple days ago, and I was like, <laughs> it's like, I was like, this just makes sense, dude, Mike the Stallion. I'm definitely not mad about it. It's a pretty good nickname. You know what, but I thought you would be, but that's the thing. I thought you'd be like, stop everything, stop. Don't call me that. Cause it's like, it's, you know, like Meg the Stallion's not a bad person to aspire to, but it's also like, if someone called me like Coop the Stallion, I don't know if I'd be okay with that. Like maybe that challenges my male sexuality a little bit. It makes me think of uh, Sylvester Stallone. So. Okay. I think I, uh, I like rocking with that. Completely different read than I had, but that's also (laughs) a very interesting way of, no, no, no. I mean, that, that makes sense though. That's a very interesting way of looking at it. Definitely don't want to be associated with Megan the Stallion for other reasons, but for what reasons? Too many. Too okay, many. fair enough, fair enough. I, you know what? Fair enough, dude. All right, so then you're Mike the Stallion. I'll figure out some other nicknames as we go along. I feel like I feel like we got to get a few more for you on the deck. I'm down for a bunch. I have a ton of nicknames. Do you do, do you like, dude, I have so many nicknames on the show. I only, I pretty much just roll with the first two. I roll with the Jewish jawline and the soundboard God, but there's also like Caffeine Poppy, Bar Mitzvah Blitzer. There's so <laughs> many. There's just so many nicknames. The Jewish jawline is... Uh, you should trademark that. That's gold. I'm going to have to at some point because I don't know another Jewish person with a jawline. Like, I, they're probably, they exist out there for sure. Like, I went to, this is just, just, <laughs> this just starting out so random, but I did go to Israel and there were a lot of jawlines over there. Very beautiful people, the Israelites. But like, it was also, I feel like the only Jewish person with a jawline in the States is me. I mean, I don't feel like that's an unfair assessment. It is a magnificent jawline. And you can't even tell because it's the beard. Like I should have done something with the beard. I don't think I have a nickname related to my beard yet. We'll have to. Uh, we'll have to brainstorm. Okay, let's go. Ready? For rapid fire. Let's think of stuff. Uh, beard. Okay, what goes with beard? How about just the beard? The beard isn't that James Harden's. That's James Harden's shit, though. I can't. I can't neg. I can't steal James Harden's. Uh, he he should trademark that dude because I might just swoop in and take that for myself. He better trademark it before we, uh, James Harden, if you, James Harden, if you see this, I'm coming for that nickname dog. It's not going to be, it's going to be over for you soon. Well, yeah. Hasn't he been playing pretty bad as of late or is that no? Cause he went to, he was on the nets and that was supposed to be the big super team. And then they combined played like absolute dog shit and the nets are still pretty dog shit, but he went to Philly and now I think he's played a little bit better. I don't know. I'd have to look up his season splits. Yeah. I haven't really been following basketball much, but the nets, uh, that super team was a huge bust. How about a whole, dude, just a hilarious attempt at another super team by any adding Ben Simmons. And that shit just didn't work either. It's so fucking funny, dude. Ben Simmons is just a whole nother. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I feel bad for him, dude. I feel like part of that. And I think I've talked about this on spreading the floor. The last episode is like part of that is the media being very, very harsh. Right. And, and, and to be fair, like he did give up if we're talking about that Atlanta series, he did give up the final shot and pass out, but uh, yeah, it seems like he's afraid of scoring and I can't help but feel like part of that is what the media says about him. It has to be. Yeah. I feel like there's a a huge weight on his shoulders because the media is just relentless on him. And like, at least if it was me, I would, uh, 
it would make it would definitely affect my game. You put me out there. I'd give you the game winning shot. I'd give you the game. I'm not saying that I would do bad, but I'm not saying I'd do good either. I'd, I'd maybe lock up Luca to a solid four points, something like that. Some, something light like that. There is, there is this running joke on the show though. I mean, in all seriousness, there was this running show dating all the way back to spreading the floor that I would lock up James Harden. <laughs> I, I used to ask Nigel all the time. I was like, who do you think would score more, me or James Harden, if we played in a one-on-one? Like, I think I could lock him up to a solid two to three points, you know, at the line specifically, maybe if I fouled him once, but he's not getting past me. And for some reason, everyone that's come on the show since would be like, so I heard you said you could lock up James Harden. I was like, obviously not. Dude, he would turn your ankles into dust. <laughs> dust Dude, I, it would be a, it would be a murder. It would be a murder. I might get him in the fitness department though. In the what department? The fitness department. He's fat, dude. Like I'm not even, I saw him live because I had to do stuff for my internship and we went down to that pier where the Nets play. I can't remember what pier it is, but it's in the city of obviously. And they were, they had a team practice there and that motherfucker's fat in real life. Like that does, the TV doesn't make him look bigger. He just has weird shape-shifting abilities. You know what I'm saying? He must have that hardened meal plan. I feel like. (laughs) That flexible hardened meal plan. Uh, yeah, I don't know. He's like he, dude. Re- Harden really is like a wrestler. Like Harden could just like cut weight. He'd probably be a great wrestler if he started out in high school because he could just cut weight like nobody's business. I saw him. So this is this is the biggest thing that wigged me out. There was I don't maybe you were following NBA back then. Maybe you weren't. I don't know. But there was that that meme where you did see him. It was like a picture of him on the Nets one week. And a picture on the of him on the nets the other week, and he was like substantially thinner. And that was the prior to that week was the fat James Harden that I saw. So I I saw fat James Harden in real life, and then the next week I see that meme where he slimmed down, and that was from the that was picture from the next week. I was like, how the fuck does this motherfucker do that? Like you got one job, you're a professional athlete, just like you know, strap down and. Stay away from the McDonald's. Yeah. Eat your salads. I guess so. No, but dude, like, I almost respect that if he can do that. Cause that was, I, 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 before that, I was like, okay, maybe this fat James Harden thing is just a myth. Maybe he's like wearing a couple extra layers of clothing. Maybe he's not actually that fat. No, that motherfucker is fat, bro. <laughs> that motherfucker knows something that we don't know about diet and nutrition. Cause he can, he can get down to a scary amount of weight. It's crazy. Or what if he's just like, strictly on like a McDonald's like McNugget diet for like a week. That could like yeah. Takes a break for the other week. And and then he's a professional athlete, so he's working his ass off. That's another thing about athletes is they can afford to eat a lot more unhealthy food than other athletes. You know what I'm saying? Then regular people are what do they call them in college? NARPs? Non-athletic regular people? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Dude, I mean like I've seen college athletes eat some of the worst food imaginable. Like dude, on the when I went to Iona on the track team guys would come in because they knew my friend who was uh, on the track team for a little bit and they would come in with just like chicken and waffles and like and like McDonald's and that would be every day and they'd be as thin as fucking like you know what I'm saying but it's because they were running track all the time it must be nice I uh whenever I eat like shit I just feel like shit and yeah, you instantly gain five pounds. You can't, you can't, you don't, you're not obligated to work out for three hours every day. So you can't really, you can't really eat McDonald's and have it not hit you like a brick wall the next day. Yeah. There's no, there's no like track that you could go on to. I mean, you could, but like, you know what I'm saying? Those, that's, that's probably the cool part about college athletics is you, you get a really, really fast metabolism, really crazy fast metabolism. 
And you get the perks of being a college athlete. That's in itself is cool. Well, you, you were a college athlete, right? I was, it was short lived, but, um, it was cool while it lasted. What were the perks, dude? Cause I know it's like for basketball, it's like you get to do whatever you want on campus. I heard re- a crazy, crazy amount of rumors about the basketball team at Iona. Crazy amounts of rumors. I'm not going to say them on air because I've already slandered Iona enough on this podcast. <laughs> sure. But like, yeah, dude, I, I've heard that basketball guys usually get treated the best. And then from there, at least at my school, the way it went was like basketball, soccer, baseball, uh, the girls' soccer team got treated like royalty a lot. Uh, <laughs> girls, girls' water polo. I mean, nobody really knew they existed. Got <laughs> <laughs> to keep it real, I, you know. But like, they, I'd go to their games sometimes, and you know, I remember girls' volleyball always had beef with the guys' basketball team because the guys' basketball team, after we got Rick Pitino, we'd just be like, "All right, get the fuck off the court," and they <laughs> they had to leave. It was fucked up for sure. It was definitely messed up. I mean, I guess it all depends what uh, what team performs the best for the school, and then they reap the benefits of, you know, walking around like the man. So for my school, it was uh, we sucked. So and everything. Yeah, no, well, not everything. We were, I went to do two different colleges, and uh, lacrosse was not the best at either of them. So no one really cared. <laughs> I thought they cared. They didn't care. What was your What was your average home attendance looking like? You know, maybe, uh, maybe 20 people max. The moms of the players don't count. Yeah. So maybe like 10, <laughs> cut it in half. Dude, moms are goaded for going to games, man. Moms. I feel like in most college sports, not in most college sports, but in some college sports, moms, moms really do be making up like a lot of the, the home crowd, you know, they do. And you, you always hear the moms cheering. Those are a lot. You're a lot of supporters as the moms. You know what I'm saying? And then after the game, they always have the snacks. Oh, dude. I remember oh, I remember when I was on the, the soccer team at Iona. Oh, no, excuse me. The soccer team at Putnam Valley. I was never good enough to play on Iona. But <laughs> <laughs> the soccer team at Putnam. And, bro, as soon as we stepped off the field, I think we got blown out 5-0. to zero, Right? We lost 5-0. to zero, And we still had the pizza on deck. We still had it ready to go with the Gatorade. It's it was like, so good, dude. It, it's like no matter what, they always get the snacks right. Like win, lose, draw, whatever. The snacks are always on point. You could have the most demoralizing win of your career, right? You could get smoked 10 zip in a soccer game and your mom will be there. The, the, the coalition of moms in the stands will have like big ZD, <laughs> Gatorade protein bars, <laughs> like the like Diet Coke. That's not actually a Diet Coke. I feel like it's never been at any realistic sporting event. Right? Like moms are not bringing Diet Coke. That was a bad example. But like water. What else? Powerade. What was it? What's the go to drink? I feel like Powerade water. Maybe maybe you get some Coke in there. Sprite. It was always just a good time hopping off. But the starters always got it, too, because it was like I, I was coming off the bench, so I didn't dare. You know, <laughs> the starters, even though we got blown out 10 zip, they, they were the ones doing the sweating. Yeah, they got to eat first. I leave leave it to them. Yeah. (laughs) Wrestling, we never really had, because for people that don't know, we were on the same wrestling team. Mike was substantially better than I was. Way better. Like, not even, (laughs) like, miles better. Uh, We never, I don't think, we're the whole thing of cutting weight, for sure, obviously. But there was also at events, after you weighed in and everything. I can't remember if, I feel like some of the parents just brought, I think it was like the parent to kid basis. It wasn't, there, there wasn't like parents supplying for the whole team. At least not that I can remember. No, you hit that spot on. Right. It was, it was like ne- parents bringing shit for their own kids, not for everyone. Yeah. Yeah. But they, uh, 
wherever we went, there was usually like stands where you could buy like little snacks. But I always remember just getting like my butt chewed out for <laughs> buying any snacks at any stands. Cause like, you know, then it would affect how you perform. So. Yeah, it was always like, you you have to think those stands made a fucking killing too, right? Just off of all these wrestlers coming in strictly, like right after weighing in and just flooding the, I remember I would try to go get a snack and it would just be like a line of wrestlers, all dudes in singlets <laughs> lining up before their matches to get something in. But it was always, to your point, it was also always like the Snickers or like the Reese's Pieces. It was never anything really healthy, right? They know, they know we're starving ourselves. They know uh, we're, we're not taking our eyes off of those uh, good eats. So yeah, it's like, what's the, what's the, the least expensive thing that we could give these wrestlers that we can make the most profit off of? And it's all cash too. They, they made out like bandits for sure. Oh my God, dude. Those guys are driving Porsches right now. <laughs> they're, just, they're driving yachts right now. Those, the, the, the guys that worked at stands at wrestling meets. <laughs> there was that one school. What was the big ass school that had the entire dome with a bunch of wrestling yachts in it? Hen Hud. That was Hen Hud? Yeah. Dude, that was crazy. That looked like the, what, what oh, the Thunderdome. Yeah, literally that, like a Thunderdome. It was like, and it, I remember one of the, probably the worst moments of my wrestling career, honestly, what happened there. And it was, I went up against, I don't know how this kid was in my weight class, dog. It was like one of those things where you see like Paulo Costa as a middleweight and you're like, how the fuck is this Paulo Costa a middleweight? I went up against this kid and he was, he was built like a Dorito, but he was substantially wider than I was. <laughs> and I had to, I had to wrestle him, dude. And it was just like, I got like, Ass, I, I did my, I, I got devoured. It was like, it was it's so quick. And I remember trying, but like also as soon as I got to my back, how quick it happened. I was like, okay, this is, I'm toast. I'm done. I'm buns. It, it has to be one of the most terrifying things to like, you're warming up for your match. You're looking around the gym, seeing who could potentially be the guy you have to wrestle. And then this just like behemoth of men is just getting undressed, ready, ready to go. And you're like, wow, like, why did I ever think this was a good idea? His pecs are like the size of your head, dude. He's got like a six pack abs and he's in third grade, <laughs> like like 12th grade. You're like, how, how is this fair? How is this legal? I don't, dude. I, oh my God. There were some absolute monsters. There were some absolute monsters. I mean, like there were kids obviously that had the athletic advantage, but like, I wouldn't, I, I wouldn't be surprised if some kids were on trend back then. Just like wrestlers on gear, <laughs> just <laughs> just get like deadlift five hundred pounds, and and then like the best was like y you see this guy across the mat from you, and you look at your coach, and like your coach is just telling you you could beat him, but you everyone knows what's happening. <laughs> there's like not a single chance you're gonna beat him. Corinna was like, all right, gear up for this one. This is a winnable match. The guy across from you like spits coming out of his mouth. Like he's just, all he sees, all he knows is slamming other men down into a mat and just lifting heavy things. That's his entire existence. And and he's just getting ready to, to absolutely fucking, he's like, he, he could easily be 265. You're trying to do the mental math in your head of how he made 180. You're like, dude, how is this possible? How is this fair to me? It, like you question everything you've ever done in your entire life in those moments right before the not only that dude you question your own bloodline after that you're like what it how did i how is this guy like on the same level as me dude this guy was like did like to quote joe rogan this guy was like an ancient viking that guy's just like walking in like that you know saying the ground rumbles a little bit when he steps on the mat oh. yeah and then you're just like some little like 
little i don't even know dude you're just like so insignificant against this guy yeah dude it's just like dk metcalf just like takes the fucking wrestling mat with you quadzilla his quads just like busting through the the, <laughs> the bottom of the singlet you're just like dude i could see his abs through the through the singlet what are we doing here or did you ever did you ever match up against someone I went against someone one time that had an injury beforehand. And so they look extra threatening because they already have, like, you probably saw it more than I did, where they have like the gauze tape over part of their head and they look even more menacing. Yeah, they just look like a psychopath, just like broke out of a psych ward, <laughs> like bleeding out of their head. And you're like, oh, murder, my the, God. Yeah, murder the person you're actually supposed to wrestle and just put on their singlet. <laughs> Literally, dude. Those, uh, the, that, scary times, scary times. What was like the worst wrestling experience you've ever had? You you were I always get this wrong. It was sectionals you made it to, right? Or section I, made I, it, I made it to the section finals. Section finals. Kind of like flopped hard. Don't really want to get into that. Not that, but like I, okay, anything else than that. It was like is there something or maybe earlier on that was like you're just like, "Oh shit, dude." There's something that happened where you're like it really made you question if you wanted to wrestle or not. Well, I mean, uh, for everyone listening, our wrestling team was well known Certified. throughout the entire yeah. state with multiple section champs and just killers. So, and I was right in the mix of them, but, uh, sadly I had to fight them every day at practice and yeah, every day was kind of just like, uh, wow, like, why am I doing this? Cause I'm just getting my head stuffed in the mat the entire three hour practice and yeah, so that basically <laughs> every single day of wrestling was like a what the fuck am I doing kind of uh, moment, but definitely worth it. It is that interesting thing because I never, I was never even good enough to like spar with those guys. Like, I don't even know if I'd be of service to them, maybe just to get their egos up. Like, Karana might throw me in there to just be like, if they lost, if they had a demoralizing match, to be like, oh, just remind yourself what level you're on. Throw Coop in there and he'll just get tossed around a little bit. But I was, so I always sparred with like guys that were on sort of my level. And so I did have some competitive matches, especially when I bulked up. So for people that don't know, I used to be 145 and 180 now, and I bulked up to 160 because uh, I lost. So I, I was 160 chubby. Then I lost about 15 pounds over the course of one summer. I ran around sweatshirt. I remember you saw me one time running in the heat and that was kind of the genesis of, of me wanting to lose weight. And then I, after I lost all that weight, I was getting absolutely tossed in the wrestling room. And so I went back up to 160, just in pure muscle, spent a lot of time in the, in the, in the weight room. And then that, that was, what time did I, what year did I quit wrestling? It was, I think I did two years of wrestling, right? I can't remember. I can't remember either. You were, you were definitely around though. I was around for sure. I was, I was definitely a part of the wrestling lore at PV. I remember <laughs> I, I put on the singlet backwards. That was a goaded moment of mine. I, I remember you pulled up like to one season with like the freshest new sneakers and the whole team was like, whoa, like, yeah, yeah, where'd yeah. you get those? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was it. Dude, I remember Satoshi treated me like a, a short bus. He treated me like a make a whiskey. <laughs> Son, he was like, he was like, Coop. He was like, he pulled me aside in the locker room. I was like, is this guy going to beat the shit out of me? He goes, Coop, just so you know, you have the freshest sneakers on the whole team and everyone's envious. <laughs> I was like, stop treating me like I'm this kid that's like here because it's his last wish. I don't, I don't want to meet the Avengers, right? Like I, I just bought some wrestling shoes because I thought they looked cool. You know what I'm saying? Just, just relax on me, Satoshi. Like I, just relax, dude. I remember also one time I came in, <laughs> I had this like new haircut, 
and I put a cut in my eyebrow. <laughs> and everyone was like, did you do that on purpose? I was like, no. <laughs> but I, I, no, I 100% did that shit on purpose. <laughs> I was like, dude, I can't because everyone was like making fun of me before. I thought it was going to be like, everyone's really respect. Respect for having the cut in your eyebrow. But no, everyone was like flaming the shit out of me. The, the plan backfired. The plan so backfired quickly. so fucking hard, dude. I could not catch a break. That was also, that was also the time. That was like my highlighter era. Where I was just wearing Nike highlighter, you know what I'm saying? You were the human highlighter yeah. for a little bit. It was it was like that weird time because I had to match something up with the shoes, so I put, <laughs> so so I put on like a Nike Tech in the in the middle of the winter, but it was like it was legitimately highlighter yellow. Like if you catch a glimpse of sunlight off of that, just like blind forever. Yeah, someone catches that in the cornea, dude. They're done. They're toast. It was so fun, bro. That was that was a good that was a great time, dude. The re- wrestling in the winter, having to walk to school, ugh, and then just like walking into the wrestling room, getting my ass beat, and then everyone fl- cooking the shit out of me for for three hours, dude. It was like show up to practice, get your ass beat, and then go back to being the highlighter. Yo, I was always a highlighter, baby. She's like, yeah, highlighter to wrestling practice. She's yeah, yeah, yeah. I was a human highlight in all the worst ways. <laughs> <laughs> not in the good way, not in the typical highlight way. I was just a highlight in that. Like I was so noticeable and everyone wanted a piece of, of flaming the shit out of me <laughs> for roasting and toasting the absolute piss out of me. <sighs> it was a good times, man. Great times. Great times. That was character building though, man. That was like, I, I realized after that, I was like, okay, first off, I realized wrestling's not for me, but second off, I was like, okay, I kind of know myself a little bit more now. Like I know what I can and can't get away with. Cause I think there were some times where I actually had like a, a J quick respect moment from the team, but I just can't remember. I can't remember what the, Oh dude. Oh my God. Oh no. I just remembered. So there was one time that I did get respect from the team and it was because I got my first win. Right. But what everyone on the team failed to tell me was that that was the kid that, I'm, I'm, it's going to sound so messed up saying this. I think that we were faced peak skill that, that meet faced peak skill. And that kid was like, I think he might've been special needs. (laughs) (laughs) That was the rumor floating around. That was a rumor floating around. I don't know if that was true, but I was hyped for about a day. And then I walked into the wrestling room the next day and they were like, you know, by the way, that kid's like special needs, right? Like you, you smoked. I think it was Kyle that told me that not Kyle uh, Sam's, but Kyle glazed munchkin, Kyle. Oh, I forgot his last name. Yeah. Oh, Visaki. Yeah. 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 And he was like, you know, that guy was like special needs, right? And I was like, where's your win? <laughs> I got immediately defensive. I was like, what have you done? <laughs> You're on the same level that I am, pal. All right. Wins a win. They a they, win is a win. They they signed up. They did sign up, dude. That's oh, I remember Kyle Vasaki and and uh, and what's his name, Chris would go at it in the in the wrestling room. They'd have some wars in there. Yeah, I mean, the wrestling room is where the real fighting happens. You think about it too; it's like so interesting because I, you go, we both have gone to Black Hole. You've gone more concurrently than I have, but. I remember being surprised with how jujitsu goes because I was so used to having that wrestling room feeling. Because if you think about it, dude, like high school and college wrestling is probably just a bunch of young men trying to figure themselves out while also trying to establish dominance over other young men. And so it does naturally breathe like a kind of toxic environment. And so that's what I established or that's what I uh, 
kind of made the connection with my head to a lot of combat sports was that it was going to be like that because you know you've told me and Robbie has told me in past years that it was a lot of damaged egos in that room because yeah. that was everyone dude yeah. like that's being in high school is having a damaged ego like it's kind of unescapable I feel like the difference between the popular kids and the unpopular kids were the people that were able to hide their damaged egos better than the than those that weren't yeah I mean it's almost like you can't escape egos no matter where you go it's like everywhere it's always yeah. gonna be around but, but dude um, especially in, in the wrestling room you think about it right like if you're a guy um let's let's just use satoshi hour who's the best wrestler on a team it was J jared jared right uh, there i mean kyle sams mike bruno no they're all jared, killers man satoshi they're they're all equal in my eyes they all uh, accomplished great things and so if you think about that it's kind of easy to then get caught up in the ego aspect of things, you know? Whereas if you're someone like me that was getting beat up every single day and da, 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 it's, it's easier to kind of confront your ego. Like my ego was, was dust by the time that I stepped out of that wrestling room. And I, <laughs> it was just non-existent. I had no, so now I don't want to say I had no self-confidence, but it is definitely a humbling thing. I'm sure, you know, when you spar now, it's like, if you get the shit kicked out of you, it's like, okay, yeah, this is, I, my ego has been put on check for the day. Yeah, it's 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 very healthy. It's uh, it, people need to uh, be humbled on a daily basis, but uh, it's you know people don't like to hear that, but that's the reality of things. There's hierarchies, and the sharks at the top get to uh, humble people. That's how shit works. Yeah, what did you think of that wrestling? Obviously, without starting anything, but did you think that there was that hierarchy there? Because I remember they make the newer guys clean the mats. Or the JV guys clean the mats. Did you would you was you, would you say that there was an unfair hierarchy there, or do you just think that's just how sports go in general? I think it's how life goes in general. No yeah, that's true. In your career, in your athletic pursuits, whatever, there's always a hierarchy. It's the elephant in the room, and you can be mad about it, or you can get better and uh, make something of yourself. So, you know, like. I had to clean the mats before and I told myself, uh, I don't really like cleaning the mats and it was either clean the mats or go try and prove that you're the guy that gets to pick who cleans the mat. So was that like a unspoken thing or was that something that was spoken about? It was like, oh, um, psh, dude, that guy can clean the mat, but you know what I'm saying? How was there that divide? How was that there? It, what was it? How was there? A divide there like was it was it unspoken or was it kind of known in the room just like intrinsically who was who was cleaning the mats um i mean it's kind of known like if you're new if you're new to anything you you're can gonna expect get bitched. to yeah. uh you know do the i guess shittier work but yeah like in the wrestling room it's kind of known the younger guys the less experienced guys they kind of have to earn their uh their weight and, you know, the other guys in the rooms that are good at what they do and they're aggressive in their own rights, like they, they've already done the dirty work and been in the trenches. So they deserve to kind of put their feet up and they're also helping you get better. It might be tough love, but if they're not there, you're not getting any better. So. Yeah. Yeah. You're not getting that, uh, that reality check. Or not even a reality check, but just like that tough love that you talked about where I think that's very vital for growth. Like if I think there's one thing that's missing from 
teaching a lot of young people nowadays, it is that tough love. And that's one thing that my mentor is really good at is if I'm chatting or I'm doing something wrong, he doesn't pull any punches, right? Like he'll, he'll tell me how it is. And I feel like back then I used to resent a lot of that stuff. But now as I've come more so to be, I guess like that prototypical, like winner type thing, it's like, yeah, I, I can appreciate that more. So cause I, I don't want someone that's just going to tell me, oh yeah, you're a good, re-. like I'll just put it back in the lens of wrestling. I don't want somebody to tell me like, oh yeah, you're a good wrestler. You just need to clean the match for a little bit. And then it, I'd rather have someone now as opposed to before when my mental was different. I'd rather have someone now say, all right, well, you know, you're gonna have to fucking earn the the right to tell other people to your point to clean the mats, right? Okay, yeah. who, what the fuck makes you think that you, so I, you know, I've come to definitely appreciate that type of dichotomy a lot more because you're right, dude, without that, I, don't, I feel like people don't grow nearly as fast. You get the odd out person that's very hard on themselves, very tough on themselves, and then they can kind of be their own taskmaster. But I think for the most part, a lot of people are, they don't have that thing or that person in their lives, that aspect to where they can't be held accountable on that level. Yeah. I mean, in very like rare cases and not a lot of them, there's people who just have that, whatever it is, they have that it factor in them and they're like, okay. They look around the room, they identify, I guess. Like the toughest and strongest? The toughest, the best, whatever. But they they know that's where they want to be and they do what it takes to get there. If not, the other people in the room kind of just become a product of the environment. It, it, there's no other choice. Yeah, I feel like some people kind of just fall in. You're not natural, you know, you have the natural leaders to your point. It's like, okay, how do I get to this point? Then you could have the learned leaders. I remember some guys would wrestle their way up to kind of being in that group. So I don't remember the name of the kid necessarily, but he was the one that hit a scorpion throw on someone. One of the matches. I don't remember. I don't know if you remember that kid. I do not. He was one of the kids. He started out kind of like cleaning the match or being at the prototypical bottom of the team. And then he worked his way up. So you have both. I just think it's, it's a good, it's, it's good practice for life, dude. I was talking to you just now off camera about the fact that it's like, it kind of set me up for the rest of life. And it gave me that kind of like, not like a killer mentality, but that kind of a hundred percent accountability mindset. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And if you want to be anything or get anything you want in life, it's uh, you are 100% in control of it. So being exposed to that at, at a young age is like a cheat code. It really is too. And it's like, you have a bunch of guys that especially, you know, it might be a little bit different. I don't know. Cause you were definitely at the top. Like I'd say you were probably top 5% on that team in terms of favorability. Right. Whereas yeah. I was a little bit more like the fringe outside guy. And so for me, it was definitely, I, I was under a little bit more scrutiny, but it was almost better for me that way. I don't know if you, did you ever get put kind of under the, obviously I'm sure Carano did, but like were the other guys holding you accountable like that? Yeah, it was, uh, you know, I was never the best in the room, but I, uh, you know, I was always trying to get better, trying to be the best in the room, but I was also helping the top guys stay at the top. So I had no choice but to, uh, you know, answer to them and fight back. So it was always like a, a constant game of keep up with them. And I'm not mad about it, but, uh, you know, that's just how it goes, I guess. Yeah. So would you say the conversations were more so, did they challenge you a lot or was it, was there a lot of pushback or was it kind of more so just like, okay, well you're helping us out and you're also trying to get, but there was kind of that mutual understanding there. 
it, it's a mutual understanding, but it's also uh, like on any given day, like it's it's always war, and like you got to be ready for it. There, you know, there's no like off days, and maybe in front of the whole team they weren't putting me down, but behind closed doors they were giving it to me way harder than everyone else. Yeah, yeah, because you know they they saw that I wanted to be at the top and that I had to keep up with them. But uh, it was like a tough love type of situation. Like they, they wouldn't let me give up. They wouldn't let me go soft on them. They wouldn't go soft on me. So it was, it was fight or get beat up. There was, there was no in between. And it was more tough love than them to someone, I guess, a lower on the team, which, you know, I guess that's what you want, right? When you, when you want to be at the top. No. Yeah. No, I mean, it's like, you know, I think also a lot of the people, I guess one of the common knocks against Carano by the end was that he only cared or that a lot of people thought he only cared about the top guys on the team. I mean, he wasn't putting more attention towards some of the bottom tier guys, but it was also kind of like, what do you expect him to do? In a way, you know, I, I, I always I, now I understand it more. It's like you got to put in more time and equity to your pieces that like a Kyle Sams, like a Mike Nolan, like a, you know, so it's like you have to put more stuff and, and resources towards those guys at the top that are going to bring because our team was what are we three times section champs? We were back to back section champs, but always like the top team in the section pound for pound. We We never really had the numbers to keep up with the bigger teams, but half the state team was always all Putnam Valley. Yeah. Which is like crazy to think about. But uh, when back to the point you were just saying, like, you know, it did seem like, or it does seem like coaches give a lot more attention to the better players and participants on the team. But it's because those better players are putting in more effort and care more. So the coach is investing more in them. It's like a positive feedback loop. It's not just by chance that the coach is favoring them. Yeah, no, no, no. I think that's a big thing too. Where we talked about that whole accountability mindset. I think a lot of people be like, oh, coach is not showing me because he just hates me. He doesn't like me. But it's like, it's also kind of like, you have to get your, your mindset to the point where it's like, okay, well, if coach is not paying attention to me, then let me go make him pay attention to me. Exactly. You yeah. know, that was like, a, like Kobe was, I think the worst basketball player in the summer camp when he first started playing. And then that just like switched a, a flip to switch in Kobe's head after a while. And then he obviously became Kobe Bryant or like Michael Jordan got cut from his high school basketball team. So it's kind of like how different people react to different situations. I don't know. See, I don't remember enough about our wrestling room to give an accurate representation of how that played out. Cause to me, I always saw, and I only wrestled for two years and I came in when there was kind of the top guys already established, but I was never there when the top guys were not at the top, you know, maybe you were, I'm not sure, but I, I just remember the top guys being at the top and I don't remember anyone else that kind of like claw their way up except for that one kid that I talked to you about right before we cut the cameras. I don't think there was anyone else that really, and there probably were, I'm just forgetting about it. But I don't remember anyone else that kind of like clawed their way up and, and got into maybe the McDonald's. I don't know. What do you mean? I remember the two McDonald's. I don't want to say their oh, first oh, names, okay. but I think they were a good example of that actually. And now that I'm remembering it. Cause I remember, oh, 
the two brothers, they came on after I got on. I, I don't know. Maybe they were there when I was before I was, I can't do so much memories left. I, I can't remember. Yeah, they, I think they were, I'm pretty sure they were there for all four years that I was there, but yeah, they're, they're a good example of just, they were never at the top, but they were always grinding with a purpose to be at the top. And like, yeah, they're a good example of, uh, how to act in, uh, or how to be and how to try and get to the top. Yeah. 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 And it's just such a, it's a dude. Ugh. I mean, like perfection is something that you should obviously strive for. It's not something that I believe you can achieve, but that idea that you just made and the idea we were talking about pretty much for like 20 minutes now is, is just wanting to be at the top so bad that you shoot. Like I'm a big proponent of shooting for the stars and landing on the moon. I think that's a, the, the phrase, the expression. Yeah. So it's like, that really is applicable to anything. If you think about it. Yeah. And I think it's, it's just so important in life to, uh, to always strive for more. It's, you know, cause once you get whatever you worked for, it's, it's not actually all that you thought it would be worth, but it's like the journey that counts. It's the struggle that makes it worth it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, nothing ever turns out the way you want it to. That's something else I've realized about life is like nothing ever. I've had different dreams and visions and there's always the, the result, the end result that I get is always maybe 50% or 75% at the most of what I thought it would be. But that's fine for me. You know, it's like life has a good, uh, does a good job of, uh, of kind of tempering your expectations or, or giving you something different than what you thought you would get. But if you put in the work, it's always going to be the most not the most accurate representation, but the closest representation to what you wanted, I think is, is what you get if you put in that amount of hard work. Yeah, like I agree. Expecting something to be 100% of what you wanted is pretty stupid in my personal opinion, but like 75% is what you'll get if you do strive for that 100%. Yeah, it, it nothing's ever perfect in, uh, or matches what you think is going to happen. So like, you know, you could grind so hard for something and, you know, if you get it, it's not 100% what you thought it was going to be. Or if you fall short of it, you know, it's it's never really all what it seems. I think it also takes a lot of people out of the game, you know, when they're, they're, they're working so hard for something and then it doesn't turn out to be the way that they'd wanted it to. That was something I struggled with for a while because I thought I'd be doing the podcast and nothing else. And now I'm doing a bunch of these different things. And at first it was kind of like a, a large part of my personality was the podcast. And so I had to kind of step, take a step back and in a weird way, reformulate my personality. Like I, I had to kind of just retool everything that I thought I was good at and everything. Cause I had made the podcast me. I didn't have anything else outside the podcast. And so when Nige stepped away, I was kind of like, oh, shoot, wow, there's not much that I can do outside of this. Let me try to do comedy or let me try to do all this. And now it's like I'm happy to say that I have much more facets of my personality that I can pull from. And it's not just even like even taking a step back and saying, OK, I'm not my work, you know, is 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 definitely important. But it also I feel like that takes a lot of people out of it. Uh, you know, I've uh, I've had buddies that wanted one thing, but then when the reality came around, they, 
unfortunately didn't want to do it anymore because it was just like, okay, it's either too much work or it's not what I thought it would be. And it's, and they kind of kind of get a little bit like down in the dumps over it. And it is very, it's that, that's a real thing that happens. Yeah. It's discouraging. It's uh, it's really discouraging, but there's only like one answer. You got to meet it head on with force and you got to keep chugging along, keep doing what you got to do and uh, not losing focus, you know? Yeah. And that's, it's definitely, I look at those things and I'm like, damn, because a lot of people fall prey to instant gratification. So it's like, they'll start something and then immediately off the bat, if it's not what they thought it would be, they stop, right? And they quit and they give up. But then it's like, there's the people that will do it for two, three years and then they'll find out it's not what they want. And then they quit. That's the worst possible the example of that for me. Cause it's like, dude, you already put in so much work. You know, and listen, if it's not something that if, if they after a while find that it's not something that they want to do, that's different. You know, like if they say, OK, well, I try this for two, three years. It's not something I think I want to do anymore. Then that's OK. That's different, though, than saying, oh, I still want to do this. But the situation right now is not what I want. So I can't do it anymore. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, it's like you're throwing in the towel. You're giving up versus, yeah. you know, your time is up and you're trying something else. It's two completely different outcomes, but one, you are giving up and that's, uh, that's not good. That's like a snowball effect that you'll carry with you. You should never kind of do that. Or at least I don't try to do that because it's not good. Yeah. That, that whole thing was like, if you give up translating that over to other things and having that become a habit, I believe is a very, very real threat, a very, very real danger. I think if you get into that head, because it it's a habit just the same as anything else is. If you start quitting, you start giving up, even on a, like a small infinitesimal scale, like with the work I do for, for the podcast post-production place, I don't, even if I want like really badly to get out of the office and catch a certain train so I can get home earlier and do my other stuff that I'm actually passionate about, I won't give up. And, and even, you know, even if it's down to like a, a, a faulty edit, I have to correct that edit before I get out because then it's like that, that snowballs after a while and it catches up with you. Yeah. You're cutting corners and it's just a bad habit and it carries with you wherever you go. So, but dude, also that lifestyle can be very tiring, not cutting corners. That doesn't get talked about enough. Like it's this this ideal that everyone should definitely go towards. But dude, when you have to rack your brain, when you like, I don't know if you've ever I'm sure you have. Let's just use wrestling again as an example. You're in like wrestling practice and you're getting taken down, taken down, taken down, taken down. You want so badly to just go sit out in the in the hallway and like eat something, right? Because maybe you're cutting weight for the next tournament and you just want to quit practice, go eat, but you continue. That takes a lot of mental energy, a lot. Yeah, it's almost like it feels like you're trying to lift the weight of the world, but uh then after the fact, you're like, oh, that was actually really easy. Not really, easy, but like in hindsight, it definitely looks and feels it's like, oh, oh, wow. I was just like wrestling for an extra hour. It's not, you know? Yeah. Your, your mind always tries to play these little tricks on you and put these doubts in your head and like, you can't listen. Yeah. That, that's why I say a strong mind is not necessarily as good as a controlled mind because a controlled mind, you know, your, tr- you know, your mind's tricks. A strong mind is simply just a mind that can influence how you feel in your surroundings. So 
the, tr- the problem to me with having a strong mind is like, I've always had a strong mind, but I'm also a very emotional person. So that feeling of having the world on your shoulders, that can take me to go to certain places I don't necessarily want to go to. But now that I have control over my mind, I can better apply that discipline and like that, that work ethic and kind of skirt around those different areas that I'm not apt in or that those areas where I might get too emotional and, and, and feel like, Oh dude, I can't quit. I can't quit. You know, it's just like after a while it becomes like, all right, well, I'm going to do this and I'm not going to think about how it makes me feel, you know, just got to get, get it done. Yeah. When, uh, when push comes to shove, it's, uh, just got to put your head down and kind of grind, just grind it out. I think with that, do you want to, you want to end it off there? Yeah, sure. Yeah. Tight little 45 minutes. It's been JCS episode 45. You can find us on uh podcast, excuse me, Apple podcast, Spotify, YouTube, all that good stuff. Please rate, comment, subscribe for anything else you'd like to see. And I will see you guys in the next episode. Mike, thank you so much for coming on, man. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. It was a great time. All right, guys. See you in the next one. Break the bait.